Hey, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Has your memory suffered when you were in your late 40s? Can't remember back to the late 40s. <laughs> um, I feel like my short-term memory has like gone down the drain, but my long-term memory, I can remember everything. Wait, did you just start and I didn't even know it? Are we recording? I don't know, but you shouldn't waste good conversation. Yeah, yeah, no, let's, we're, conversation. We're, we're recording. All right, go ahead then. So I was in playing tennis the other day with my daughter, and I swear to God... Uh, I could not remember the score after every single point. Oh, really? That, yeah. Oh, that's not right. Like, Claudia was there, my wife, and she had to argue with me because I was arguing with her. And she was like, James, just trust me. Don't think about the points anymore. And so then I got worried because I did that 23andMe DNA test, and I never thought of myself as a hypochondriac, but it came back and it said that I have that one gene that doubles the risk of early onset Alzheimer's, which just means, I don't know, one out of 100 instead of one out of 200. But then I started realizing, like, I can't even remember, like, the score in tennis games anymore. And Claudia tried to explain to me, oh, maybe you're just dehydrated. But it happens to me. Was it just a, was that a single incident, or do you find yourself forgetting uh, regularly? I, I find myself forgetting regularly. Give, and me I, an ins- give me a for instance of what you forget. Because I have a theory about this, which is not even a theory. I have a hunch. Okay. Sometimes I will see a movie, and then a few months later, I will see the same movie, and only at the very end realize I've seen that movie before. Yeah, that's an issue. (laughs) It's also expensive. How much money you're spending on seeing movies that you don't even want to see a second time. (laughs) All right, so here's my suspicion. It's not quite a fully formed theory, is that a lot of people for, okay so first of all we do know that the brain becomes less plastic and less cognitively powerful right so the human brain is apparently at its peak at around age 20 you know somewhere between 16 and 25 right right so you and i have both been definitely on the hell. way on the decline and, and it's not a linear decline it's an exponential no. decline so we're well, like i don't know if that's true i, I don't think that's I, true i've heard that's true with every organ of the body no no chance that's true but let's not have that argument today so we know that we do that our brains do many things less well now than they did 20 years ago. But I think in terms of something like this where we get worried about things like we're forgetting, I think one issue is that if you look at your uh, daily routine as a set of tasks and obligations and time frames, that when you're in your you know late 30s, 40s, 50s, you've got a lot more going on, right? Especially if you have kids and a job and obligations and projects and so on. So I think that forgetting in that context is actually just a function of competition for a a relatively scarcer resource. I totally agree with that. I think humans in general are very poor at multitasking, except for very simple things. And I think when you do have like, let's say you're doing a podcast and a book and whatever, these are already, you should be doing just one of these things, but many of us are doing many of these things and it crowds out the lesser important things. Right, and I think that the kind of person like you who's maybe most vigilant and worried about forgetting stuff is the kind of person who is also most likely to be doing a lot of things 
where there's competition going on in your whole cognitive process and where you're actually crowding out. And there's another theory I have, which is that it's the blue Honda theory. So Once you see one? Yeah, once you own one, then you suddenly see them everywhere. Right. So now once I got that 23andMe DNA result, suddenly I started seeing every lapse in my memory. Right. So how do you feel about this in general, like knowing, having access to information that previously we wouldn't have and how we opt into getting it? So for instance— Well, I'll give you a good for instance. Mm-hmm. If someone told me the ending of the next Star Wars— and said, you can find out right now. I will tell you what the ending is. I'm guessing you wouldn't want to know that, would I you? I would definitely want to know. You would? So I have a general philosophy, all information is good. <laughs> so I always get any information. I prefer infotainment oh. over entertainment. Okay, but hang on a second. So when you go, and I should say that you're wearing a Star Wars shirt today. Oh, yes. How old sure. are you, James? Uh, I'm 47 years old. Okay, so a my, lot brother, of- <laughs> my brother-in-law just bought this for me, so this is a gift. It's a beautiful shirt. I'm just saying there aren't that many 47-year-olds who go around wearing Star Wars shirts. But wait, so here's what I would argue. I would argue that one of the reasons that we like consuming things like movies and books and so on is because we have a relatively l- scarce or limited ability to be surprised, Right. And that when we get a good one, it really satisfies that. But if we do it too much, then it, it kind of wears out. So when you go see a movie that you're anticipating and you know what happens, you know the ending, I can't imagine that that doesn't decrease the value of knowing. In other words, with knowing the end of your Star Wars. I, see, I think you say that you would like to know the end. It's hard for me to believe yes, that's really true. You're right. It would decrease the value then. But it would increase my general joy and happiness right now. Is that because you would have the knowledge before other people had it? No, it's just because I want to know. Where this conversation is going, nobody knows. Stick around to find out. Fresh Books. Our sponsor has decided to keep with the theme of our show and has created their very own question of the day. Do you run your own business and have to bill for your time and expertise? then this question is directed primarily at you. So all of you entrepreneurs and small business owners, listen up. What's the first thing that you feel when I say words like invoicing, expense reporting, time tracking, stressed, anxious, annoyed, maybe even a little queasy? Fear not. All this means is that you need some fresh books in your life. FreshBooks is the amazing, intuitive invoicing software that helps small business owners spend way less time on paperwork and stay effortlessly organized. You'll be creating and sending invoices in minutes, watching expenses practically organize themselves, and probably wondering why you didn't start sooner. Try FreshBooks free for 30 days. Just go to freshbooks.com slash question and enter our show name, Question of the day in the How Did You Hear About Us section while signing up. So what's interesting in terms of like disease and health outcomes, though, is because we're in we're already in the future where you can know a lot more, right? So so there's been this research done about people who uh, are genetic are potentially genetically predisposed toward Huntington's disease, mm-hmm. which is a uh, a fatal uh, condition, right? And usually people, I don't know what the median age at which people die. I'm guessing it's in the 40s, maybe 50s. And I could be wrong on that. But it turns out that, um, so if you have one parent with Huntington's disease, then your likelihood of having it yourself are 50-50. 
I, I believe that's true. And it turns out that people in that pool are pretty likely to not want to get tested for it themselves. In other words, even if your chance of having a disease that you quite potentially could die from and therefore might plan your life around, um, even if that risk is pretty high, a lot of people in that pool don't want to know. Would you be in that pool? Would you want to know or no? I would want to know, but with Alzheimer's in particular, first off, nobody in my family has ever had it, so I probably won't get it. I mean, as far back as I could tell. But with Alzheimer's in particular, there's the theory there's a strong linking between Alzheimer's and diabetes. I've even read some groups uh, are thinking of renaming Alzheimer's Diabetes 3. And uh, it's linked to, like, uh, inflammation and all, all the things that diabetes is linked to. And there's also a lot of relationship between how you eat, of course, and diabetes. So if you go on, like, a plant-based diet or a raw diet, that could reduce the effects of diabetes. So it's worthwhile knowing what you are at risk at because you can start changing your behavior and your diets earlier and you know, stress, of course, is related to things like Alzheimer's. So it's worth knowing what you're susceptible to, not because I'm not heavily in, uh, a fan of medication or treatments, but I, like, I think prevention is the cure. Yeah. So, so I believe in prevention is the cure for everything. And so I want to know what is out there because prevention is the cure. Now, a lot of people also say disease is a myth. Like, for instance... You have cancer right now. I have cancer right now. We all have cancer cells in our bodies. It's just when they reach a certain number, the doctors start ringing the bells, cancer. And uh, It is true that one of the reasons why the death rate from cancer has not declined anywhere near as much as we would like to think it would have declined when we declared the war on cancer 40 years ago is that we've gotten so much better at not dying from other things that more people live long enough to die of the cancer that they wouldn't have died from otherwise. Well, also, I think that's true, but also I think detecting cancer has gotten a lot more sophisticated in the past 10 years. Yes and no. The false positive rate in some cancer screening is so absurdly bad. By the way, I forgot totally how this conversation (laughs) started. As of now, maybe my memory is better than yours. But let me posit this. Perhaps um, the reason you're having trouble remembering the score of your tennis matches are, I have two possible reasons. One is uh, the tennis scoring system is stupid. Yeah, like 40, 15. 15, 30, 40. Okay, it's not. Deuce. (laughs) Okay. What's deuce have to do with it? So one, it may be that your brain is rejecting the stupidity of the scoring system. No offense to tennis fans. I love tennis. It's just, Uh, it should be one, two, three, four, five, whatever. A, B, C, D, E. I beg my kids. T-E-N-N-I-S. Like, horse. I I say, let's just play to 10. There you go. And they're like, no, we need, like, sets. So anyway, so potentially you're just rebelling against the stupidity of the scoring system. But let me make one more argument. Maybe the reason that you are having such a hard time remembering the score of your tennis matches is because even at this advanced age of 47, you're so enjoying the tennis itself, playing with your kids or your wife— that the scoring becomes secondary and that you're actually doing better than forgetting the score would imply by actually being in the moment and loving the playing. That could be because I am definitely not so competitive with them, whereas I think if I was playing in a competitive situation, I'd remember, although you and I had an interesting thing right before this recording started, we were both trying to remember the score of our 15-year backgammon match, and here we've been playing it for 15 years. We cannot remember the score. (laughs) That's true. So it would imply either that we just don't play often enough to 
keep up with the score or that we enjoy playing so much that the score is maybe not quite secondary, but first and a half diary. Yeah, first and a half diary, because we are pretty competitive. <laughs> like, I do want to crush you. You say that. I don't believe that's true. No, I— You don't seem that upset when you lose. You don't seem that triumphant well, when you win. Well, it's because winning and losing is a hot potato. Like, if you celebrate yeah. winning too much, you could become a sore loser. And if you hate losing too much, you'll never learn from your losses. So whether you win or lose, you got to bounce that. The, the emotion is a hot potato, and you've got to bounce it right off of you if you want to improve and get better. Mm. So has this little conversation assuaged your fear about early onset Alzheimer's? Yes, thank you, Dr. Dugner. Ah, that was so... <laughs> I feel that's the first time I've ever helped anybody in my life with anything, but you may be just saying that I actually helped. No, no, maybe you're right. I don't know. To hear about our next question of the day, stay tuned. But first... If you make your living by billing others for your time and expertise, then you've got to try FreshBooks. FreshBooks will make creating and sending invoices, organizing your expenses, and tracking your billable hours the easiest part of your workday. Go to freshbooks.com slash question for your free 30-day trial. If you enjoyed this episode of Question of the Day, join James and me next time. You won't want to miss this. Kids shouldn't think they're suddenly the greatest at anything. They should think... Yeah, we should definitely keep our children down more than we do. That's well, for sure. Well, well, they should think that... We are way too nice to our kids in this country. James's wife, Claudia, took the time to leave a very thoughtful review of our show on iTunes. Really? Why don't you take a moment to review it as well? Your reviews help us climb the iTunes charts, and that allows more listeners like you to discover and share the show with their friends, family, and most important... Claudia. <laughs>